again for allowing me to come here uh, for the last couple of days and just spend some time with you. Uh, it's been a great, great privilege, and I knew of your pastor, but I didn't really know him that well. Uh, we got a lot of mutual friends, but I thank the Lord that he allowed our paths to cross. It's been great, and, and he wasn't kidding. The more we talked today, uh, when he said I was his spirit animal on uh, Sunday night or Monday, I mean, I'm starting to believe it myself now, and uh, some of our uh, highs and lows and sideways things, I mean, it's, it's all the same, and uh, I felt like he spoiled me so much this week, I've been, I've eaten everything under the sun, and uh, matter of fact, I ate so much and so well, I'm going to send him a love offering next week, but uh, I thought, man, if I, got, if I come back again, you're going to make me pay to come back? But it's been a blessing. Thank you again for the accommodation. It's just been, it, it's second to none. And uh, if I were you, I'd just get evicted from my house and just go over there and live. But uh, you have three people now that can try to do that. But uh, it's just, it's been great. And uh, God bless you, those of you that have been helping and aid to that. And uh, Ms. Auden, thank you for all your help and, and everything, get, trying to get connected to me before I got here. But uh, it's just, it, it has really been a blessing. And I promise you, next time I come here, I'm going to bring more CDs too. Uh, we sold out of those so fast, and we are on, I, I usually don't say anything about my own CDs. I, I, every church I go to, like, I forgot to say anything, and, but we are on uh, iTunes, if you have iTunes. Our quartet has nine CDs, okay, so I only brought one with me, and that one sold out, uh, but if you get a chance to check us out there, either search for Calvin Allen or for Faith Men Quartet. We're on Pandora, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon Music Plus, whatever, um, I mean, we even have some homing pigeons that'll sing your lyrics if you get that. We got, a, we got a Native American doing smoke signals for the songs, too, so you'll get them somehow. Revelation chapter 3, we're just going to continue on last night's message. I just, not, not always do I finish a message like this, but I feel like the Lord uh, has something for us in the rest of this passage here. And so, uh, again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for the invitation. And I like it. Pastor said, next time you come here, we're going to have to go to, that's always a good sign. And uh, I don't get to come back to places often. And uh, it's like that one fellow, he said, I heard you, he said, I heard you sing. And I said, oh, is that really? And he said, he, he, or I said to him, I said, yeah. He said, um, he said, I've had some special requests, but I'm going to sing anyway. He said, man. <laughs> but, uh, and I messed that one all completely up right there. But uh, that was like a courtesy laugh. You know? And I was like, ha, 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 he's terrible. And uh, the pastor's like, he's not coming back now. His jokes are terrible. No, but uh, um, uh, but it has been. It's, it's been awesome. I, I, I'm looking forward already to the time when I get to come back and, and a fellowship some more and get to know some of you a little bit better than what I did. I forgot to tell this story last night at uh, Mrs. Spranger. And it always messes me up because I know a Sprunger family. And uh, so it's, it, your name keeps messing me up there. But we, we played, and her son, Grady, we were at their house yesterday, and we had some ribs and chicken. I, you know I was teasing her last night about all that. And she walked by, I forgot to tell this part of the story last night, she walks out of the house to get something else, and, and she put, she had some cheesecake there, which is, you know, my favorite, if it's not my favorite dessert, you know, it's close up there, number two. But, uh, and she put some blueberry toppings on top of it. And then she walked by us again with that cheesecake, and Grady said, what, what's that on top of there? And she said, it's blueberries. And he, out of nowhere, he says, Brother Allen's allergic to blueberries, and, you know, I'm a good Baptist, so I just went along with the lie, you know. <laughs> so, you know, the Bible says, agree with thy brother or something like that. Or how good and how pleasant it is for brother and brother. And unity 
unified in our lives. But, uh, but I didn't skip a beat. She said, oh, no. She said, wait a minute. You told me to put either strawberries or blueberries on top of that thing. And I said, no. I said, I said strawberries and not blueberries. <laughs> I said, if I eat those blueberries, I'm going to die. I would kill over dead right in this living room here. And she started to pet. She's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to scrape this over here, brother. I don't have time to go back to the store. I don't have time to And I was like, just kidding. Uh, but, uh, but my house is messed up. My, one of my sons, my oldest son, is, a, is lactose intolerant. And uh, he's allergic to anything dairy, you know, especially certain cheeses. And he, he will smell like, uh, like a gym bag that's been locked in a, you know, Vietnamese sweat box for three years <laughs> if he eats a string cheese. I, I, I mean, I could smell it. If he ever drank anything or ate string cheese at somebody's house, I'm like, you got to take a shower now. But it would react with the chemicals in his body, and he would smell like a yak. <laughs> so, so, you know, he knew, you know, don't eat certain things or else he'll be, he'll be miserable. Certain cheeses, he'll be miserable for three days if he eats certain cheeses. And so he's allergic to, you know, dairy products. So we have to have almond milk at our house. I know some of you tell me to get some oat milk and whatever else, you know, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm drinking off the cow, okay? <laughs> Let them worry about now. But uh, so he, he's got to have almond milk. But my middle son is allergic to tree nuts. So he can't have almond milk. And so he's been eating dry cereal for the last 12 years of his life. You know, he's like, I'm not messing around with that. And uh, my wife almost killed him about... Uh, Six months ago, I was preaching at a church about an hour away, and she called me. She's like, oh, no, Dylan, he, he's, he's got a problem here. And I'm like, what's going on? She said, he, he said his mouth feels like he did. We had an incident years ago, and she said his mouth feels like it did when he had that you know, episode over there. And I'm like, well, what did you give him? She said, well, I just had these crab rangoon here. Well, my wife is a vegan, and so they got to use the imitation crab rangoon. And so she, I said, look at what's in there. So she went back to the garbage can, picked the package out, and it was crushed cashews. That was made up. She's like, I'm the worst mother. I'm about to kill him. I was like, yes, yes, you are. And uh, no, but uh, no, I didn't say that. I said, well, just see what happens, you know. And uh, it's like, it's like uh, Esther. If I perish, I perish. No, <laughs> or is that Rocky? If he dies, he dies. Anyways, but um, all the spiritual people, you got that reference right there. But uh, so pray for them. My third son, he's not allergic to anything and he eats everything. Okay. So don't feel bad for us at all. But uh, he did not die that day, by the way. Um, he threw it back up, right back at her, and uh, we went on from there. But uh, hopefully you guys can meet them someday, and they'll be able to come out with me. And you, you would love them, and you wouldn't have me back anymore. You just say, let Kim preach, and uh, let the boys sing, and they'll be fine. Anyways, Revelation chapter 3, let's jump into it tonight. Uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, and uh, I'll just read one verse, uh, because we've already been introduced. Now, who was not here last night? How many were not here last night? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, we're just going to start from the beginning then. All right. No. <laughs> like, this service is five hours. And um, one time this boy got so tired while I was preaching. And as a matter of fact, it was one of my boys. I think it was Dylan. And he ended up getting saved at the end of this service. I was in a re- preaching revival in Iowa, and he walked the aisle. But he's like stone cold knocked out during my preaching. And, uh, and I, I yelled down there to my wife. I said, honey, Kim. She's like, Yes. I said, wake him up. She said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. <laughs> so my family has no mercy on me. And that, that, did I tell you a story about Pharaoh? 
My wife one time sent a picture of the boys sleeping in church and posted on social media and said, uh, uh, preach on Pharaoh. And <laughs> to my account, I was like, thank you, honey. I love you too. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3, let's get into it. The Bible says, unto the angel of the church, verse 14, of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things, saith the true, sorry, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. We explained that last night, what that means. I would that thou wert cold or hot, in other words, useful, of some purpose. I, I, but so then because I'm lukewarm, he said, I'm going to, and either cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And here's what we got into last night. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counted thee to buy of me uh, gold, uh, tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do, do not appear, and, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chase, and be zealous therefore, and repent. I want to talk to you tonight again about the last revival. The last day of revival, last day revival, last revival, one final revival. Uh, let Jesus come in the dough, and uh, whatever you want to call it, you may call it pathetic when we get done with this message, but let's see if the Lord will speak to our hearts tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity again to preach at this great church, and this is a great church, Lord. Uh, great churches are not great churches because they're mega churches and blowing out the doors. They're great churches because they search the scriptures, and they have a hunger for the word of God, and they want preaching, and they want revival. And so, Father, I pray that you would do a great work in the hearts of your people tonight, I yield myself to you from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Help me, Lord, to say, just as last night, everything you would want me to say and help me to prevent me to say anything that would dishonor you and uh, wouldn't be true and uh, wouldn't be for the useful edification of your church. Help us, Lord, from the scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated tonight. Uh, when we look at this thing about the last revival, we talked last night, and, and my, oh, my, how the Lord was working in here last night. And uh, I'm telling you, God was just all over this place, and, and I talked to several afterwards that uh, some got their salvation settled, some the Lord's still working on them, uh, some that God had been working things in your heart and life, and maybe you didn't share specifics with me, but it was obvious God was doing something in our midst last night. And I'm, telling you, I'm thankful for services like that, because I've been in some where, I mean, there's some churches that are so dead. I mean, one guy, you heard about that guy who had a heart attack in the middle of church? One of those dead, dried-up churches. They called the fire department. And they took 15 men out before they found the one who was actually dead. I'm saying there's been some people I've been preaching their church service. I want a stethoscope and see if there's a heartbeat somewhere in there. I almost started CPR on some of the deacons in the church are so dead. And I'm just telling you today, I thank the Lord when he works in services like he worked last night. And I want to keep that same tenderness tonight. And by the way, true revival, it's not gonna, it doesn't start and end when the evangelist comes. If it's of God, it's going to last far beyond me being here because I didn't bring it in my suitcase. I couldn't fit it. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I didn't bring it in my suitcase to be able to uh, uh, find out. And, uh, and, um, and you can't. And a good evangelist, by the way, uh, he's not going to try to do that. He's going to make sure that, listen, it go, it's not about me. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, in him, that he ought to have the preeminence in his church. And we want the Lord to have first place, and not just first place, He wants me to be above all and in all that we do. And we talked last night, we began to talk about this thing of honesty in the, in the revival that God wants us to have. To be honest in the revival that God wants us to have. And I pray tonight, I thank the Lord for those that were honest and said, I need to get saved. Praise the Lord for that. 
Maybe here tonight and you were one of those that should have raised your hand. Listen, can I tell you tonight, it'd be the greatest day of your life if you just got honest with God and said, I need to get saved. It's not about impressing anybody else. And listen, we live in a generation of, of young people that we're teaching them by social media and everything else that it's all about how we look, isn't it? So guess what? We want to take that selfie at the right angle so my 15 chins don't show. One of my buddies, they were teasing me the other day. They said, they said man, where's your chin? And the other one said, it's behind the other chin. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, buddy, I'm, I said with my buddy, I said, listen, I said, you're so fat you can't even bow your head to pray. I mean, I, I talk about my chin. Just kidding. And uh, that was fleshly. I'll go back to the Bible. But uh, it, you, we understand this tonight. It's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to be honest in what we see God do in our lives. We want to be honest and say, listen, we're cold, we're hot, we're lukewarm, but we live in a generation that we're constantly trying to let somebody see us better than what we really are. I know couples right now, you know, they'll be on social media and they're all over each other. Oh, this is my baby. Oh, this is this. Oh, I love him so much. Oh, and all of a sudden, you know, here's what happens on social media. If this happened to you, don't blame me. I don't know who you are. They start off all lovey-dovey and princess stories and everything else. Then all of a sudden, that lady switches her middle name, her last name to her middle name. And instead of being, you know, such and such a, you know, Ramirez, now it's such and such, you know, uh, uh, Lillian Stephanie. And I'm thinking, what happened to your last name? You were in love with such and such a Prince Ramirez last week. But it's a sham. We, we would rather th people think we have a, this great marriage instead of actually working on it and having a great marriage. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to take that honesty. Number two, watch, watch what the Bible says, verse number 18. The Bible says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. You know, there's something in the Bible days when it came to buying gold. When it came to currency in scriptural days, here's what we knew. When it came to buying gold, it was getting pretty serious. Even in our modern day age, all the time they're giving us a financial advice and they're like, you know, buy some gold bullion cubes. And I just so happen to sell them right here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you need this and you got to have, but they're always telling us gold is a great hedge against inflation. We were on the gold standard in the United States of America. We moved off the gold standard. Matter of fact, we were on the silver standard for a while in the United States of America because there's something that we know when it comes to precious metals, when it comes to them, there's, there's something about it that we have always valued those things. We have esteemed their values to be very high. You say, what, God, what is God saying to them? I believe Jesus Christ is saying to this, not only if you're going to have revival, do you need honesty, but you're going to have to get hungry. It's going to have to start being serious. You're going to have to start desiring it. The Bible says, if a man wants wisdom, he said, he that, uh, 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 if a man wants wisdom, he said, he was a man having separated himself, uh, uh, intermeddled with all wisdom. And I'm going to tell you, the same thing is true of revival. If we're going to see God do something, we're going to have to cultivate an appetite, a hunger for true revival in our lives. And I ask you this tonight. When you came into church tonight, did you come hungry? Did you come thirsty for the word of God? 
Well, you're at the place in your life where the Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What if I told you tonight the harsh reality of you have as much of God and revival in your life as you want? Brother Allen, things are getting stale in my Christian life. Uh, things are getting worldly. Things are, things are going back. I don't have the fire. But let me ask you this. What happened to us? Uh, what happened to that desire for the fire? What happened to that longing in your heart? Man, I remember when I got saved. You got saved in 89, 87. I got saved shortly after that. And, and uh, did you say I was older than you? I'm like, I got to go on the record tonight. I got to draw heaven and earth to witness tonight. I am like, I think I'm nine years younger than you are. I thought, man, my gray hair showing that through. <laughs> and, uh, but I got saved in the 90s, the mid-90s, 1993, where I got saved. And I'm going to tell you, we were, uh, the Independent Baptist, man, it was on fire. And, man, uh, and, and, and listen, and later, later it ha- well, we won't talk about what happened in the mid-90s, but uh, everybody started fighting amongst each other then and who's going to be the top dog. But I'm going to tell you, when I got saved, man, it was, it was man, I remember going to team meetings and, and I remember go- going on that bus to preaching meetings. And, and that's, we used to do that back then where we'd actually, a guy would have a preaching meeting over here and we'd actually go to it. I remember getting on that bus and I remember singing, once I wandered in sin's black night, there was no way I could make my wrongs right. Then that old accuser to the Lord did cry, he is a sinner, and now he must die. But then I heard a voice saying, Father, I'll go. It's in that songbook of yours. And I'll pay his sin debt in Calvary's so I'll bear in my body the marks of the cross to save that child who is sin sick. And boy, did that whole bus get going. And it's still the blood that saves from sin. And man, I'm going to tell you, my little heart will get on fire for God. We get back and we sing, ain't God good to give us so many blessings undeserving. That's what we are. We ought to thank him, love and praise him a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you, there was a day when our hearts burned. There was a day when you first got saved. Many of us that weren't raised in church and we heard the songs of God and we thought, man, this is fresh and this is new. Some of us came off a bar stool somewhere. Some of us came out of a, a whorehouse somewhere. Some of us came out of drug addicted houses. Some of us came out of bitterness and some of us came out of gangs and fighting and running the streets and God had saved us and there was a fire that was burning and when you sat in church, it wasn't time to take a nap. It was time to sit up and pay attention because there was a man of God and he was opening the word of God and he was in the house of God and he was going to preach to the people of God so we can all get right with God. Remember how hungry you were? Remember the first time you went through your Bible and you were highlighting stuff and you said, man, look at this. And it was all new to you, and you're like, man, did you, preacher, did you know this was in here? And he's like, yeah, I've been reading it for 57 years. <laughs> but preacher, did you see this, man? This verse says God so loved the world. Preacher, did you see this? It says, thou, O Lord, art sealed unto me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Somebody said one time, they said, Brother Allen, keep your head up. And I said, oh, I don't have to keep my head up. I've got a God in heaven that is my glory, and he is the lifter of my head. Man I, man, I can remember back in those days, I'd go back to my little house and my mother, and my mother was only in her 20s, and 
My mother was only 20 years old when I went to kindergarten. She just turned 20. I mentioned Sunday, she had me at 15. And our house was a mess. One of my earliest memories of, of when I was four years old, still living in Gary, Indiana, one of my earliest memories are sitting around the table. And I, I kid you not, it was a bunch of men dressed like women, a bunch of transvestites sitting around our kitchen table in my house. And I went and I was, I, and I didn't know any better. I was just a kid, and, and, but my mom had these friends, and one of them was a roommate at the time. And, and I was going around the table going, duck, 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 goose, whoop. And I pulled that wig off that transvestite and started running around the table. And uh, how many of you ever been chased by a transvestite around your kitchen table? I'm just telling you that not, I didn't know any better, but that's the kind of home we were raised in. My mom's roommate later, the fellow that was there that spent his weekends dressing like a woman, listen, we watched him wither away and die of AIDS. We didn't know anything about the Lord. I've seen people shoot things, snort things, smoke things in front of me. I remember walking down the street from our house on 8th and Jefferson in Indiana, and we were walking to the corner store, and I remember seeing a dead body sitting up there on the train track, and it was like it was nothing to us. We just walked by and said, oh, <laughs> train's coming in a couple minutes. And I walk over here. I'm just That's the kind of house I grew up in. I remember going home as a teenager when I got saved and going to the public school at that time, and I remember, man, I was just fighting and fighting with my science teachers, fighting with the kids who knew me before, fighting with my cousins who were still living for the devil. They were still in cars and selling weed, and my mom at one time was selling it too. And, and I remember coming across a song. Man, I remember being so hung. Any Christian song I could get my hands on. And I remember singing that old song, It's in Your Songbook. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storms howl above me and there's no hiding place. And that's how I felt. I remember I could, I could hear, I could still to this day, I could hear 1019 West Orchard where I live, and I remember seeing a fight going on outside of my bedroom window, and I'm listening to the song in the back. I remember there a fight going on, and one man pulled out a gun and just about killed the other man right, I'm talking about 20 feet below my window. We live in the second story. And I'm sitting here, and I get to that chorus, till the storm passes over. Till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever. From the sky, hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. And everyone, I'm telling you, when I hear that song, it takes me back to being hungry. I remember the first Christian lady that gave me a Christian music CD, the Cornerstone Quartet. Had that old song, Shake Hands with the Poor Boy Who Owns Everything. I can relate to that one. All of a sudden, I'd hear somebody give me the Thrin Family song, and they'd give me this tape. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything. And man, I remember coming to church. I remember that our quartet used to sing, and they would sing that song, Leave your heavy burdens at the cross. The bass used to be, Leave it at the cross and go free. And my cousins and I, man, we, were, we didn't know. We, we would sit in the back, and sometimes we'd cackle, laugh, but when they sang that song, and we'd sit up, and I'm like, Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. And we, we'd be at home that week. Leave your heavy burden at the cross. It's trying to sing bass. I'm thinking, I think we've got to wait a couple more years. <laughs> but we didn't care. We were hungry. Let me ask you tonight, was there, has there ever been a day in your life where you were more hungry for the things of God than you are right now? If there is, 
We call that being backslidden. Is there a day when you had a hunger for the Bible? Man, you couldn't wait to hear. I love it. Uh, Brother, Brother Coral's wife, he's an evangelist, longtime evangelist, and his wife wrote this song, and she knew when I was a music director at our church, every time you come to our church, you've got to sing that song or we're not giving you a love offering. <laughs> but the chorus of that song says, every page I read just says I love you. Remember that day when you used to think, man, this is the Bible. Oh, man. Even, I mean, you get excited about Chronicles back in those days. I mean, you sped read through it, but you still got excited about it. Remember when you used to come to church and you were hungry for the preaching? And, man, you'd sit there and say, man, what's the preacher going to give us this week? Oh, we were hungry for it. You know what your problem is, sir? You know what your problem is, ma'am? The full soul loatheth honeycomb. And we're way too full in our churches. But unto the hungry soul, watch this, every bitter thing is sweet. I mentioned going to Haiti a couple years ago before, after, actually, I didn't know this was going on, but after we got there, I watched another documentary on Haiti, and I saw how these little kids, they started making these little pancakes out of dirt. And it was becoming almost like a delicacy right in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And they were making these because there's a lot of mineral. The dirt there is very mineral rich. And these people were making little pancakes out of dirt and water. And they were eating these things as if they were eating some type of a delicacy. Like the same way we ate that calamari today. Could you imagine that eating dirt? But you know why? They were hungry. Hunger will make you do some crazy things. The Jews, many times when they were, when they were uh, in captivity and they were in the Holocaust, they would, they would try to find anything and some of them would grab the rats and some of them would start eating cockroaches and some of you maybe even from some foreign countries where they were starving their people. And, and uh, I read about years ago how Stalin would, uh, would starve the people out and how the people would try to hide one potato and they would beat these people to death if they were found with any extra food on them. But sometimes they just didn't care. I watched just recently where they, the China was locking down their country and people were getting so desperate because they were starving to death in these high-rise buildings that they started making these kind of plastic uh, ladders out of there because they were losing their mind because they were so hungry. Oh, man, what if we could ever get God's people that hungry for Bible preaching again? Well, they said, I got to have it. The preaching and teaching of God's word and revival in my heart, I just have to have it. But we're so full of worldliness and we're so full of television and we're so full of social media and we're so full of the wrong men and the wrong women and we're so full of bitterness and we're so full of complacency and apathy that we're not even hungry anymore. You were to come to me certain days this week, we were teasing, I was like, man, you're going to have to roll me out of this restaurant. Listen, you could have put, you, after, after today's lunch, you could have put three cheesecakes in front of me. I'm not eating them. Why? Because the full soul, as Proverbs says, loatheth honeycomb. You can take the sweetest thing in the world, but if you're full, it doesn't matter. And that's why some of us, some of you are getting solid, good Bible preaching, and you're none the better for it because you're so full of the junk of this world that you can't even enjoy it. You take that, you, they, 
Pastor Don, he's a pastor now, so he's like nice. As a teenager, he would rip our faces off our face. I mean, he was one of those guys, he'd rip your face off while he's preaching and put it back upside down. I can't even tell you how many rap CDs he snapped in half or pulpits he broke in our church. And, and uh, it was just crazy. He'd preach the devil out of us, Tina. And we need the devil preached out of us, too. I mean, we had murderers come out of that group. We had, we had I mean, it's crazy. It was nuts what came out of that group. But you know why we didn't care? Because we were hungry. And he could have preached anything. He could have preached on, you know, uh, freckles on your face. And I just said, man, I need to get right with God. You know why? Because we were hungry. And I'm not talking about some foolish preaching. But I'm saying there's a difference in when we get hungry. That preacher preached at me. Listen, if you're in this room, I'm preaching at you right now. What am I supposed to preach to everybody that's not here? That's how some churches want it. They want us to preach everybody that's not here. So if we preach on queers and steers, everybody shouts you down. But when we talk about your movie collection and your music, then we get real quiet. When we talk about reading your Bible or watching uh, things you shouldn't be watching, it gets real quiet in churches. Because I want everybody to preach. Every, I want us to preach to everybody that's outside of here. No, I'm preaching to you tonight. And if you came in here hungry, guess what? When the preaching touches you a little bit, you might go, ooh. But it's from the Bible. It's different when you say, ooh, that's a preacher's opinion. But I didn't give you opinion. We gave you the Bible this week. It's going to take, if there's any hope, listen to me. If there's any hope, you're going to have to buy some gold. You're going to have to get serious about the things of God. You ever, you ever tried to feed your kids when they don't want to eat? We'll do the stupidest things to try to get them to eat. I didn't know how silly I would act until I had kids. I used to see parents are doing that helicopter stuff and area, whatever. I'm like, dude, you look like an idiot. <laughs> then I had my kids, and I'm like, <laughs> open the chute. Here comes the airplane. You know, we want them to eat. Can I let you behind the veil tonight? You know, every pastor wishes he could do that to his people. Much like a parent, we're like, man, why aren't they eating? I know what it's going to do to them if they don't eat. Man, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what kind of things are going on, on the inside here, but we want them to eat. I'm going to tell you today, it's a comfort to those that try to feed you the word of God. And by the way, the job of a pastor, of a shepherd, is not to force feed you. Here's the job of a shepherd. It's to provide the environment. It's to make the hedge up and give you a place where if you desire it, you can have as much as you want of God. Well, I'm just not being fed. Then put your stinking head to the ground, humble yourself, get to where the grass is and start eating. That's free. Anyways, it's going to take hunger. When I got saved, we were hungry for being spirit-filled. You couldn't, you couldn't go to a preacher's meeting without somebody preaching on being filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, you almost couldn't. There's somebody to say, hey, you need to get back in the woods again and praying down the power of God. And now it's like we just kind of got the mechanics of it all. And we know how to run a church. We know the logistics. We know how to have a big day without the Holy Spirit, don't we? We know if we do this promotion, 
oh, people are going to come. We know if we do this, if we do it this way, we have the temperature in the church just right, and we have the right colors, and we got the right scheme, and we got the graded Sunday school program, but we've got to get hungry again to see God do God stuff. I'm going to move on. Remember when you were hungry to serve God? Remember, remember when the pastor could give you anything to do in the church? Preachers say, hey, I'm going to need you to, I need you to, you know, every third Sunday, empty the garbage in the boys' bathroom. Like, man, pre- preacher asked me to do something for the church. I mean, like, for the church. He asked me to take out the garbage in the boys' bathroom. For a church. Now we're to the place that pff, he asked me. Doesn't he know I'm a charter member? <laughs> if you're a charter member, forgive me. I don't know who you are. <laughs> Doesn't he know? I mean, you start singing that song to the preacher, God along before you're going to get along without you now. And, uh, and uh, I was here before you came. I'll be here when you're gone. We always got those in the church, don't we? Doesn't he know I'm on the deacon board? Yeah. Diakonos means servant. It doesn't mean pre- keep the preacher in check. It means servant. My pastor always said this. Everybody loves the title of servant until somebody starts to treat you like one. Now it's, hey, brother, can you, can you just turn off the lights in there? Why don't he turn off? He's the one that gets paid by the church. And by the way, you got a good pastor. He will be the one to turn off the lights. But remember when you had the attitude of service? I mean, anything. It was like, man, I get to teach that class. Now it's, oh. Saturday night, 9 o'clock, I guess I should come up with something. Remember when you said, man, these boys and girls, they need to know Jesus. And that's why we're stagnant and have no revival. We're not hungry anymore. Some of you are like, how do I get hungry? Some of you tonight, your favorite meal, if you just spent some time right now thinking about it, you'd get hungry. I mean, all I got to do is think about a blueberry cheesecake again. I'm sorry, strawberry, because I'm allergic. I just got to think about it. I just got to think about some of the things we ate this week. And you know, some of you, if you, if you get your mind on Christ, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercy of the God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service, and be not conformed to the Lord, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of you, David said when I was musing the fire, I got to move on there. It's going to take some, not only some, uh, honesty tonight. It's going to take some hunger. Watch this. Verse number 18. He said, I want you to get some white raiment that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And he said, I want you to get some eye salve. Here's what he needs. Watch this. And if you weren't off the boat by now, you're going to get off of it now. It's going to take some holiness. It's going to take some holiness. There's not a person here tonight. Can I... It would make a great illustration if I could tell them about what you told me not to tell them about. Okay, I'll send you a CD just so I can say this. If I was serving you tonight, and she's like mortified, and, uh, but it happens. We're human beings. I was getting ready to enjoy my fried chicken that she racially profiled me on, and <laughs> it wasn't fried. Yeah, it was barbecued. And I broke my chicken apart, and the longest hearing you've ever seen in your life 
Now, you know what it usually does to us when we see a hair in our food? Turns our stomach, doesn't it? Not evangelist. <laughs> you could put a massive cockroach right in front of me. I'd be like, oh. <laughs> Somebody's going to do that next time I go to a church somewhere. And I'd be like, he told us to put it right there. None of us want to eat that. Now, me, I just went, throw it in the garbage. And, uh, and uh, her son thought I threw the whole plate away. I was like, what? There's food right here. You know, you, you get hungry enough, you'll just brush it off and keep on. Yeah. And plus, I've been married, you know, I've probably eaten a whole wig worth of hair, you know, <laughs> over my, I've been, I've been married 19 years. How many grossed out tonight? And uh, I'm telling it, I'm grossed out right now. But watch this. She didn't really expect me to eat that, neither did her son. He said, man, I thought you threw the whole plate away. Why? Because you, you expect it when you come to somebody's house. Why do we expect God to accept what we bring on his plate to him? There's not a one of you tonight if I, you said, man, there's something on this plate, and I went, huh. Here. If you're in your right mind, you ain't eating off of that plate. I had a kid one time, I was preaching to my sons, and I was giving an illustration about that. I was talking about young ladies. And I said, none of you would take this gum out of my mouth right now and chew this gum after I chewed it. And he said, I would. And I said, I said, in your right mind. <laughs> That's the key. Why do we think we can bring a dirty plate to God and just expect him to eat off of it? Why should he send revival to us? You know, the Bible says we're supposed to draw nigh unto the Lord with a clean heart and pure hands. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye, O ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Put that in your Christian liberty pipe and smoke it. We're supposed, to purify, we're supposed to purify our hands, and we're supposed to cleanse our hearts as we draw nigh unto God. The Bible says God's ear, you want to talk about prayer? You want to link that in there too? God's ear is not heavy that he cannot hear, nor his hands short that he cannot save, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Sin is a separator in our lives, and God said without holiness, no man shall see God. And we expect God to send revival on our dirty plates. And some of us right now, we can barely go an hour without filth coming across our minds because we're listening to music that's producing filth. We're watching movies that produces filth. We're hanging around people that talk filthy and put filthy thoughts into our mind. And I'm going to tell you, if there's hope for revival, it's going to have to be us getting holy again under God. Say, so what do you mean, Brother Allen? I believe before revival comes to some of your houses, you're going to have to go through your video inventory and throw some stuff out. I think some of you, before revival is going to come to your and listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the one who ought to tell you, but it, God ought to be able to walk through there. The Bible says he gave himself uh, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and then he said this, a holy nation. Bring forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his glorious light. 
People nowadays that say, Brother Allen, I've got grace. I've got liberty. Oh, but the Bible says, use not this liberty as occasion to the flesh, but by love serving one another. Christian liberty. He said, man, uh, listen, he said, we have begun in the, in the, in the spirit. Are we going to continue in the flesh? God forbid. How shall we, he said, uh, one passage, uh, he said, uh, uh, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, here's what's going to happen in the end of days. They're going to be turned unto all these fables, and here's what's going to happen. Romans chapter 1, you watch the progression of sin in Romans chapter 1, but it started off when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They began to worship the creature at some point more than the creator. And then here's what happens. Some of the most vilest sin begins to show up. And he says, men all of a sudden burning in their lusts one toward another did leave the natural use of a woman. And they burned in their lusts one toward another. Likewise, women leaving their natural use. So listen, all these things are going to happen. Listen, we say all these things, we say them all the time. Well, we're going to be under judgment because of those things. No, my friend, those things are proof that we are already under judgment. Because God gave them up to vile affections. The vile affections did not cause God to give them up. He gave them up because of what they were doing to vile affections. I'm going to tell you, if there's hope for us in these last days, it's not going to be because you get to as close to the world as you possibly can. It's not because you dress like the world, live like the world, drink like the world, walk like the talk like the world, smoke like the world. It's because you are separated, Christian. Because you come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and he will receive you unto himself, and he'll be your, you'll be your sons and daughters unto the Lord. There is something that we have lost in our generation, and that is the difference between positional justification and practical justification. It's called living godly in this present world. And some people think, well, I'm saved, Brother Allen. I'm righteousness in Jesus Christ. Yes, there is a righteousness that comes. Uh, that, that, listen, he's not going to impute righteousness on us, but there is something. You will never be judged as a sinner. My sin was judged at the cross of Calvary. It'll never be judged again, but you will be judged according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Your life will be judged and your works will be tried of what sort it is. You will not be judged as a sinner, but watch this. You will be judged as a son and as a servant. If not, then why does 2 Corinthians chapter 5 say this? Uh, uh, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, we labor therefore, uh, though we were absent or present with you, that we may be accepted of him, because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and every man will receive that which is done in his body. Listen, you will not be judged as a sinner, but you will be judged as a servant. Did you serve the Lord? And as a son. I'm saying it's high time where God's people get back to holiness again. You remember the people in your life, man, they, 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 had, they had a holiness about them. They had a purity about them. I remember there was Pentecostal girls when I went to school. 
They, they, they never would dress like the other girls in the school. They didn't carry themselves. The boy, they didn't let the boys hang all over them. And you know what we said? There's something different about those girls. And some of them, I don't know, I believe many of them may have been saved. They were just confused in their religion. But there sure ought to be a difference in the people who claim the name of Jesus Christ. It's time to get holy again. And some of you, I don't have to preach on your specific sin. God's already been dealing with you about your sin. He's been, every time you turn that station on, every time you watch that movie, every time you go to that website, every time you hang around that person, every time you get involved in that activity, every time you belly up to that bar, every time you put that joint to your lips, every time you put that pipe up to your lips, I'm telling you tonight, God's already been doing the work in your heart. And some of you are killing the revival because he's been rebuking you, he's been chastening you, and you're not listening to him. Wouldn't it be sad if you were the one holding back revival in your home tonight? Wouldn't it be sad, Daddy, because of your secret sin? Mama, because your secret sin, because your attitude, revival's being held back in your family and held back in this church. Here's what people, well, should I just leave the church and leave my family? No, get right with the Lord. Lastly, here tonight, there may have to be some harm. He said, I want you to not only get a white robe, he said, you're going to have to get some eye salve because you're not seeing straight. And then he said this, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. We touched on it already. If there's going to be some revival, sometimes there's got to be some harm. Sometimes this harm comes I remember a preacher saying this when I was younger. God always uses greatly those who he bruises greatly. You know, he says, I made reference to the verse, for whom the Lord loveth, he does what? Chasten. And then he does farther than that, he scourges. Every son who he what? Receives. That sounds like a revival to me. He chastens who he loves. And then he goes a step further. When they don't obey his chastening, he starts to scourge them. Because he is not, and listen, with the scourging, with the correcting of God, he's not trying to break you. He's trying to draw you closer to himself. Here's a teachable moment, parents. Every parent in here listening very well right now. Discipline is not to always uh, 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 cause pain. It's not always to, well, there's going to be consequences for your sin. Yes, that's a part of discipline, but discipline mostly is to restore a relationship. And when you correct and you are not, this is why some of us in our parental, parental discipline, we are sending our kids to their room for two and three days. That's not the Bible way of discipline. The Bible way of discipline, listen, the scourging happens, the pain happens, that you might be drawn back into a proper relationship. We don't discipline because they made us mad. We discipline because there is a character flaw, there is a behavior that we need to correct, and we want to draw them back to fellowship with us. And isn't it amazing? We're raising a generation of kids, they tell us don't spank them, and they hate their parents more than any other generation. But the doctor's last year, oh, if you whoop your kids, they're going to hate you. I've never met one person that was properly disciplined that said, I hate my mom and dad. Never one. And that's the authority on 40 years. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about properly disciplined, where the Board of Education is applied to your seat of knowledge. 
proper discipline, here's what it'll do. It'll restore the relationship. You know how it is. You're messing around. You're sneaking around. Mom and dad finally find out about it. You get your punishment. But you, before you got your punishment, you're hiding over in your room everywhere. You don't want it to come out into the living room. You're avoiding mom and dad. But once it gets dealt with, you're back in that living room and you're back in that kitchen, aren't you? And if you'll let God deal with you, sir, if you'll let God deal with you, ma'am, you can come back into the kitchen of revival. And it's, man, I've been in services where God has nailed my hide to the wall. And I thank him for it. Because it brought about a spirit of revival. Lastly, here tonight, there's going to have to be some heartfelt repentance. He said this, be zealous, therefore, and repent. So your choice tonight, I'm thankful some of you said last night, you know what? I'm going to get honest. But watch this. It's more than just being honest. It's getting holy. It's getting hungry. It may be harmful. But here's what you got to do. You got to have a heart change. God, change my heart. That's what the word repent means. The word repent, it's, a, it's almost like a legal term. It means to think differently afterwards. See, before I got saved, I didn't think I was that bad. But here's what happened. I got showed I was this hell-bound sinner, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like those of you worldly people that watch court cases. I love them. I mean, my wife does. I just, I'm there. But what do you mean? First you say, oh, man, that guy's guilty. Oh, hang him high. And then the evidence comes out, and you're like, ooh, wait a minute. He's innocent. Uh, Mr. Matlock, can you ask him again? No. But, uh, and then there's sometimes you thought, there's no way that guy did it. And you're like, ooh, ooh, the gun was in his locker. Yeah, fry him. When it comes to the preaching of God's word and revival, God has presented you with some evidence this week. Have you looked at the Bible and said, ooh, that's right. Man, there's some things I got to do. There's some things I got to take out of my life. There's some things I got to put in. He's standing tonight knocking. The saddest part about this chapter, though, and we're done, we're going to the house. The door never opens. Revelation 4. Trumpet sounds. You know, when I believe Jesus is coming back, People, oh, when this happens, when this happens, when this happens. I believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't believe there's another prophecy that has to be fulfilled. I believe it will happen based upon what the church does. And the more we slip into apathy, and the more we slip into sinfulness, and the more we slip into sleep, and the more we slumber and slough off our responsibilities, God's saying, what are they doing there anyways? Time to go. Let's open the door. And if we're the last revival, then let's be it. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you bless our time of invitation. I wonder if you're here tonight, say, Brother Allen, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm saved. I can take you back to the time, the place. Maybe you don't remember the day or everything you said, but you can go right now in your mind. I was at 1170 West Wind Lake at a church service when I got saved. I got my salvation settled. I trusted Christ. I called upon the name of the Lord. Terminology you want to use that's biblical, great. I got saved. Brother Alan, that's me. Here, I'm saved and I know it. Here's my hand. Here's my hand. I'm saved and I know it.